This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled to be joined by two physician leaders. Uh, both have the role of chief medical officer, one of chief clinical officer as well, at different parts of Advent Health. Advent Health is one of the fastest growing and most successful health systems in the country, um, you know, located largely around the Florida area, but growing rapidly. Dr. Finkler and Dr. Herrera, Dr. Neil Finkler, Dr. Vic Herrera, have written an article about lessons learned in the pandemic that was published in the New New England Journal of Medicine, excuse me, one of those days. And they're going to talk to us about that article, about some of the lessons learned, about keys to innovation for younger physicians, and and, and a lot more. Um, Dr. Herrera, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Then I'll ask Dr. Finkler to do so as well. Thank you, Scott. My name is Victor Herrera. I'm an infectious diseases doctor by background, and I currently serve as Chief Medical Officer of Advent Health Orlando. Fantastic. And Dr. Finkler? Yes, thank you again, Scott, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dr. Neil Finkler, and I have uh, I do have a dual title. I am the Chief Clinical Officer for our Central Florida Division of Advent Health, and also I'm the Chief Medical Officer for the South Region of Central Florida Division. Thank you. Dr. Frick, let me start with you. The New England Journal of Medicine, sort of long recognized as sort of the, the, the leading sort of place for clinical thinking thesis in healthcare. Talk about the article that you and Dr. Herrera wrote, being given the chance to author with the NEJM, the New England Journal of Medicine. Just give us the title of it, the article, how that came to be, and then I'll ask Dr. Herrera for some of the key lessons learned in the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think it's a, um, you know, this really started when uh, Dr. Herrera and I started to uh, look at what what are, our, what are the lessons we've learned from COVID that we believe have been transformational with regards to clinical leadership in healthcare. Um, and the reality is that we've learned in all of the different waves, we've learned different things and different, uh, and different aspects. Um, and it was really after the last wave in Florida, which was uh, the beginning of August, that we really started to put all this this work together. And I think our thoughts behind this whole thing was, uh, again, we believe that the, that as a result of the pandemic, leadership has fundamentally changed from what it was pre-pandemic to what we believe will be the role of the clinical leaders post-pandemic and what the role of the physicians are post-pandemic. Uh, and, you know, we try to summarize it in five very broad categories. Uh, but again, I think there's just lots and lots of lessons here. And take a moment, Dr. Finkler or Dr. Herrera, can you, Dr. Herrera, why don't you take the lead on this? What are those five core focus areas? Thank you, Scott. And, you know, and I want to add something behind the why. I have to tell you that I, I follow your podcast and a few months ago, you interviewed one of our market uh, CEOs. Uh, Rob Dininger, and in that call, you guys, you you asked him about how his function had changed throughout the pandemic, and you know, and I have had multiple conversations uh, with Neil about this, but you know, that podcast really influenced uh, my thinking in how how can we will answer that question from a clinical leadership perspective, because you know, as clinicians, we are part of the executive team uh, when we're in clinical leadership, but we also have that clinical background, so. This was really inspired by by that question of answer that that um, thinking through our perspective. So I, I do want to make the connection uh, that this article had with uh, us listening to to that podcast. Um, briefly, the five areas 
we feel that these were things that we were not doing before uh, COVID-19, but that we really to get very good at during the pandemic. Uh, the first one had to do with forecasting. Um, you know, we, we try to plan for the future, but here we really need to look around us and see what information can tell us what's going to happen in the future, in particular with the dynamics of the pandemic. So we learned that things like the positivity rate in the community will help us um, uh, with where was the pandemic going. Uh, number two, we really think uh, had to think about data in a different way. I feel that for a long time we were just focusing too much on just the outcome, but we really needed to show people data that will tell them what to do. Uh, three had to do with our workforce constraints. Uh, we do a lot of quality improvement initiatives in the hospital. Um, and usually we didn't need to work about workforce constraints in those initiatives, but now we need to add that variable. And the last two, um, number four, I think is fascinating, and it really has to do with the need of clinical leaders for to get out of the walls of the hospital and go engage with the community. And we did that with the community at large, with uh, the government, with private partners. I think like just as now talking to you in this podcast um, shows that new thinking of we need to go out there. Uh, the last one uh, has to do with healthcare disparities. Um, it's clear that the pandemic um, have exposed that some of the disparities in uh, healthcare are even more profound than what we thought. And that's going to be a continuing challenge for clinical leaders. Um, so that's how I will summarize it. Thank you. No, thank you so much. So, so five core big areas forecasting data, workforce, engaging with the community in all kinds of ways, and then sort of this, this great big issue of health equity and disparities and how things impact different communities differently and making sure that's not always the case or less and less the case. And let me, let me turn to you, Dr. Finkler, because one of, the, one of the great questions that was posited here is this issue of why is it so important to study what works and what doesn't work in terms of improvement? Can you take a moment on talking about that? Dr. Herrera has laid out for us the five core focus areas, forecasting data, workforce, uh, engaging, and then health disparities. Talk about studying, taking the effort to take a step back and study like you did as a researcher, you know, at one point in one's life, it is to what works and what doesn't work, what's working, what doesn't work. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, uh, it's an area that we have actually spent quite a bit of time on. I think it's really important that everybody focus on where you've had your wins and what works. But the reality is that a lot of the learnings, and particularly the iterative learnings, uh, will be from what things don't work. One of my big pushes to all of my chief medical officers and the folks that I've lead throughout the pandemic has been, um, if we're going to innovate, and we have had to innovate and create during the pandemic, um, Failure will occur. And, you know, typically as physicians, you know, failure is not an option. That's that's how we're all trained. Uh, but the reality is if we're going to push the envelope and try to innovate and create and particularly innovate and create quickly, which the pandemic required us to do, we needed to have the freedom and the okay and the understanding that failure will occur and it's okay provided you learn from the failures. And there are things that we failed at miserably at the beginning of this pandemic, but really created the environment for us to say, what did we learn and what are we gonna do differently? 
So one of the classic examples is at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we had this brilliant idea that we were actually going to test our workforce for COVID on a, maybe a weekly basis, maybe an every other week basis. Um, and, um, and the long and the short is that it was a great idea. We have a workforce of a little over 30,000 employees throughout Central Florida and physicians, about another 4,000 physicians and physician assistants. And so it's a daunting task to think, how are you going to do this and do this on a regular basis? And the long and the short is, without getting into a lot of details, that failed. But what it made us do was start to think about what are the things that we need to do from a supply chain? What do we need to de- uh, be doing uh, per- to preparing our staff and our communities for? And as a result of that very early failure, uh, our CEO actually said to us very early on in the game, uh, he said to us, you know what, um, I want you guys to start thinking about what would it look like if a vaccine came out and how would we vaccinate our workforce and our community? We immediately started going back to those failures and we said, what do we need from a supply chain standpoint? We were fairly clear that it was either going to be Moderna or Pfizer out of the out of the gate, which would require either ultra cold or cold storage. What would that look like? What, do we have all the things that we would need from a supply chain? Do we have the sites ready? Do we know where we're going with all this? And that actually helped us prepare. We were actually one of the first sites in the state of Florida to offer the COVID vaccine because we went, had gone through these failures uh, and learned from the failures and were now prepared to move on. And we've got lots of examples where we've learned from the failures, but I think it's probably one of the biggest lessons that I'd like to I like to push, particularly on my on my physician colleagues and my young physician colleagues. Don't be afraid to fail if we're going to innovate, because we will fail along the way. And as long as you learn from it and make it better, this in the iterative process, uh, this will all be worth it. And we're going to learn a lot as we go. And Dr. Finkel, just one follow-up question on that. How do you make sure as there's errors made, failures made, not errors, you try things, they don't work, but you got to take those shots at the plate to figure out what's going on and what's going to work, what won't work. How do you make those failures institutional memory in the right way so they don't get repeated? Just like how do you make the things that work institutional memory and part of the system so they continue to be repeated? How do you, how do you make that happen so that these lessons don't leave when a chief medical officer or some other leadership ends up retiring, when this leadership retires, how do you make these systematic, the things that didn't work, things that do work, so you don't repeat the things that didn't work, and you do repeat the things that did work? Yeah, certainly on the clinical side, Scott, I think we've done a really good job with regards to documenting everything we've done, and we show the iterative process along the way. Uh, So, for, for example, we formed a scientific community very early on because data was coming at us so fast and and we actually now have a progression from where we were on day one with multiple multiple iterative processes along the way it is in, incredibly well documented and all the things we did with supply chain for example also very well documented uh, and and again i think the important thing is is uh, to document what you've learned uh, and to make sure that that knowledge is passed on to that next generation as we bring them on as well uh, so the documentation and the structure around that documentation, I think, is critically important. And and, and Dr. Herrera was was quite frankly really uh, critical with regards to what would that look like as we came out of the uh, as the pandemic began. 
uh, back in March of 2020. Uh, let me ask you one other question again, Dr. Figueroa. The name of the article and where people could find that. Yeah, so the name of the article, and we can share the link, is Five, five Areas to Redefine the Clinical Leader of the Future. It's been published by the New England Journal of Medicine Catalyst, and we can certainly um, um, share that link where they can just click on it and get to the article. Thank you. And then, Dr. Rare, another question for you. Talk for a moment about how do you get younger physicians, newer physicians, or other physicians just involved in innovation? How do you get people thinking about innovation, working toward innovation, and so forth? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question because I think that one thing that has happened during the pandemic is that it has really accelerated innovation and it has really pushed us to embrace new technologies. Um, because during the pandemic, as we were responding to the crisis, we really didn't have an option. So when we think about things like uh, virtual medicine, uh, where we think about tracking uh, patients um, from home with devices, those technologies are not new, but they have not really been embraced in the way that it happened uh, during the pandemic. Um, and that's an acceleration in um, helping uh, adoption of those uh, technologies that occur. So I think that the, the pandemic by itself had that effect, and I think it really opens uh, people's eyes, that especially as it relates to current problems like uh, workforce constraints, uh, transition to value-based care, we really need to leverage technology. We really need to leverage innovation, and the pandemic shows us that, uh, how to do that. Thank you very, very much. Just uh, fantastic. Uh, Dr. Rare, Dr. Finkler, what, what a remarkable job you've done at Advent Health has done in sort of growing the strength of Advent Health, the clinical strength, the, the impact on the communities. I want to thank you, your team, Christy Powers, for having you guys join us today and talk about this article in the New York England Journal of Medicine, and, and more importantly, how you look at getting better and better as a clinical force, as a clinical uh, you know, clinical efforts and, and redefining the leadership of, of clinical leadership. Dr. Rera, Dr. Finkler, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Thank you.